0: This week, we decided it's time to take a stand. It's episode 347 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and yes, Stephen King's The Stand is finally here. It's CBS All Access's brand new miniseries, and I just happen to have Brad William Henke on the show with me this week. He plays Tom Cullen. If you know the story of The Stand, you know how important Tom Cullen is. We're going to see how much we can get him to tease about what's going to be coming up in this miniseries which you can watch right now on cbs all access speaking of great stories I also have a great new sponsor this week the faraway collection from amazon original stories it's a collection of fairy tales retold for adults cannot wait to tell you all about it and how you can get a great deal on these faraway stories plus i mean a couple of big reviews that are going to be coming up this week some new comics that have hit the shelves that i want to talk about but up next We've been talking about Pennyworth a lot, but I haven't actually given you my thoughts on the show, so I'll give you my thoughts on the Season 2 premiere of Pennyworth. Maybe tease a little bit ahead as well on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, I'm Cameron beacon Dovo, from Gotham, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. You've heard me talk to the cast and one of the creators of Pennyworth. Now, how about my review of Season 2 up to this point? Anyway, so I'm going to say this. Season 2, Episode 1, we're going to dive into some spoiler territory and then I'm going to go ahead and tease ahead for you a little bit. Again, not going to break down all the details of every episode. You you actually heard Jack Bannon say last week, you got Thomas Wayne, who's now the CIA station chief, going to be coming back to London. And then Martha, Martha Kane is actually like embedded with the no name. She's like a full fledged like agent now. She's like a soldier. It's crazy. Her ev- evolution from season one to season two. I mean, it has been a year, but at the same time, I mean, Martha is just a badass in this second season in the early going. I want to get to Alfred, though, for a second, because, I mean, you see him, and again, that's why I asked Jack Bannon about this last week. You see how Alfred was at the beginning of season one. Obviously, he's been through a ton. You see him in season two, and he is just not the same dude, is he? Or at least he doesn't seem so. On the surface, you know, he he's he's not as ob- clearly not as optimistic. He wants to get the hell out of London. He's not necessarily the best dude in this first episode of season two. As a matter of fact, I mean, if you want to fast forward towards the toward the end uh, of the first episode of season two, and, and what he does, kind of like a bait and switch type deal on the deal that he makes with the no-names was a very, very interesting tactic to take. And it seems like all he cares about is getting his money and getting out of London. And that just doesn't seem like Alfred Pennyworth. I mean, he's still got Dave Boy and Baza by his side. They seem to be just as anxious to get out as he is. But I don't know. There was just something there that it struck me as it was... I don't want to say disappointing, because that's not the right word, but it was like disheartening, I guess is the better way to put it. It's like to to see Alfred in this place, although I got to say I love the Delaney, the club that he's running kind of in that neutral zone there, and you see how neutral it is, like he doesn't favor one side or the other, he tries to keep it right down the middle. That's very interesting, so the, so the Delaney's like Switzerland in a way, right? It's a very, very cool and interesting place. One of those kinds of places that could become its own character in a story like this in this season. So that, that still remains to be seen, though, coming up for this season. But I've got to say that one of the characters, one of the, a couple of the new characters that stuck out to me, first of all, was Colonel Salt, who's played by Edward Hogg. And that is the guy that, again, plenty of spoilers here for the first episode, that Alfred and the boys actually abduct for the no names and he's supposed to be a key player in the Ravens' society and it, it, it seems like he is and he isn't sort of thing when you first see him but but let me tell you that there's definitely more to colonel salt than you even find out in this first episode keep an eye on colonel salt in the future of season 2 i've I've gotten to watch ahead a little bit i'm just saying that right now just just keep your eye on Colonel Salt. You're, you're, you're not going to want to uh, take him lightly. That's for sure. And another one of the characters that really intrigued me as far as new characters go, that was Alfred's old buddy from his military days, Gulliver Troy, who's played by James Purefoy. He was part of that whole bait and switch deal. Again, there's just something about this guy. You're like, there, there, there's no way that this guy is up to no good, and it's almost like like is he a, is he a mercenary type of situation? is he loyal to Alfred, or is he loyal to whoever's dollar signs are are larger and it seems like you know you're leaning one way or the other there, but again, that's another character that if I were you, I'd keep your eye on that but but I kind of love the the early propaganda feel of this of this second season of Pennyworth there's not a ton of it in this first episode but as you go ahead there's going to be a little bit more of that coming up and and it really plays a role in setting the tone for where things are another character that i'm like i don't know that i trust this guy is detective well inspector i should say aziz i don't know where i'm at with him i mean i know that that you know he's one of the big wigs in the no names and he's trying to do the best he can to, to save London, because London's the only one, the only place that hasn't fallen yet, really, to the Ravens. So, at all costs, he's trying to save London. But, I don't know, he just seems like kind of a dope, doesn't he? He seems like he's not really, I mean, him not trusting Alfred, that, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. But it just seems like he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to read people. or He's not doing his job properly or something like that. So, I'm not sure, you know, I have zero confidence in him, first of all. Second of all, I'm not, it just seems like he's going to be the foil to screw a lot of things up growing forward. No spoilers there. I'm, ju- I'm just saying that th- there's something weird about this guy. But, but the one character that I... Th- this is going to be one of the more interesting arcs for me, and that is Bette's arc. Because after what Bette does in that Raven interrogation room, when she saves Katie... And just to say, first of all, apparently women's rights and how women are treated, very important to Bet Sykes. Who knew, right? Like, who knew that it was that important to her? So she drags this woman out of there, saves her, and now kind of is, I don't know, helping her go on the run, maybe? And yes, you will see this play out more in, in, in upcoming episodes. But to me, it's really, really interesting. And when you see... You kind of get Bet's rationale a little bit and how she sees things playing out and whether or not that's how they're going to play out remains to be seen and, and you know is it's, let's just say that Bet is in for a very, very interesting next few episodes that that much I can tell you. But I mean, all of the stuff that you love from season one, other than other than Alfred's demeanor being different. The, the dynamic between Thomas and Martha there. I mean, Ben Aldridge and Emma Pates, amazing together on screen. Just amazing. And the bombshell that's going to be dropped on on Martha, it, it, it's a big one. And actually, I'll be talking to Ben and Emma next week. Yes, a special Christmas Day edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. We'll have everybody's favorite couple from Pennyworth, and we'll get more information on season two with them Coming up next week, but you just love the dynamic between the two of them. There, it's not all bad with Alfred, too. By the way, you see flashes of the old Alfred. The, the show is very clever, very funny when it wants to be. It doesn't. It's not obviously not funny all the time, but when it wants to be funny, it can be funny. And and again, that uneasy feeling that you get around Lord Harwood, and you're wondering how it is he's doing what he's doing, but he seems to have total control right now in this first episode so where things are going to be going in Pennyworth I got to tell you it is a fun ride if you haven't jumped into season two yet you're going to want to do that on epics every Sunday night you can also catch up on the epics app as well yeah watch season two of Pennyworth go back and watch season one too as a matter of fact if you haven't yet it is well worth your time and a great holiday binge quite frankly That's going to do it for my spoiler-filled review of the first episode of Pennyworth, anyway. We teased a little bit ahead, spoiler-free, as well. Up next, going to be talking about The Stand from CBS All Access. Going to be talking to Brad William Henke about playing Tom Cullen. Up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, my name is Mary Mouser from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. You know, there's certain characters from literature, when you hear the name, you're just like, oh, I know who that is. So if I say Tom Cullen... You know I'm talking about Stephen King's The Stand. You know we've got the series coming up on CBS All Access. It's going to be happening on December the 17th, and this guy's going to be playing that very character. It's Brad William Henke. What's up, man?
1: How you doing? It's great to be here.
0: Good, man. Good. Now, I mean, it's crazy to think, actually, that The Stand is, what, like 40, almost a little over 40 years old now. So were you a fan of the book before you actually signed on for the series?
1: No, I wasn't. I mean, not that I wasn't a fan. I had not read the book before I was offered the role. And then when I was offered the role, I like, okay, I'm going to read that book real quick. You know, And then it's 900 pages, you know. Right. So um, I started reading the book and then they sent me um, the first four scripts. And so then I read those scripts. That's that's how I before I accepted the job. But then I I read the book and I also did it on tape because um, we shot up in Vancouver. So on the drive and everything, I I was always listening to the, the book on tape.
0: What was that kind of like? Actually doing that concurrently—like reading the book while you're reading the scripts—was that? Did, did you see the differences even more there when you're doing it that way? You think?
1: You no, know, I tried to. You know, anytime you see, anytime you've read a book, then you see the movie. You go, "Oh, that's that wasn't in there. Right. Why didn't I put that in there?" You know, it's almost like I like to. I liked it in this time that I read the scripts first, and so then that was my initial thoughts, and then everything else I could just add to it. So I would just try to every time especially at the beginning, before I went to go do a scene, I would listen to the book on tape scene mm-hmm. and so much more was going on so much more detail. Cause they had more time. And I would try to throw some of those things in, you know?
0: Nice. Nice. Now we know that based on the story, there's a lot of aspects to Tom Collins personality. So how did you kind of prepare, prepare for such a multifaceted character?
1: Well, you know, it's like you, you could make a, a mistake of making it so one dimensional. And to be honest with you, I liked the role cause I could, it, it's a role you could, Fall on your face. Do you know what I mean? You could do it. Oh terribly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a worry. <laughs> you know what I mean. And so that was a worry all the time. And so I just tried to. I, I, there was a guy a, a few years older than me when I went to high school who um, he hurt his head playing college football. His name was uh, Ed Reinhardt Jr. And he uh, a blood clot burst in his brain, and so the the rest of his life he was not the same. What he said to me one time is, "In here." still me, and that just broke my heart because he couldn't communicate, he couldn't, and so I, I really took a lot of that. You know, like in here, it's me, I'm having these thoughts, but it doesn't it doesn't translate as much. And so I just tried to really, I, I would, a lot of my scenes were always shot at like, I don't know why, at like two in the morning. So I would, like from two to six, all the time, I would, I'd be one scene and it starts at that time. So I would go there, get there like two hours early, mm-hmm. And listen to this uh, sleep meditation, and to just to kind of like just blank out my mind, just oh, go wow. through the scenes, just like like they'd have to wake me up. We're gonna go shoot, you know. And I had worked on this stuff so much, you know. Maybe in two weeks prior, I would always want to be off book, and so then I would just have no thinking, not have to use my mind on those nights, and just I would just in my preparation, I thought, oh, this could happen or this could happen, but I I really did they said action and I just responded to whatever excellent, it, was, excellent. It, was, it was. It was the best. I've never had an acting job where I had three months to prepare in my life. And so having three months to prepare was just, I was like, Oh shit, this is what I can do with three yeah. months to prepare. You know what I mean? It was great that it was in Vancouver because it was raining all the time. And I had this apartment and I had my, my two little dogs with me. And I just really isolated myself. I just really thought this is a role of, so far, this is the role of my life. Do you know what I mean? If I do mm-hmm. something with this. So I'm just going to... You know, I can't say... So when I was first working on it, I walked around some days as Tom just to see, you know, how that... Because no one knew. You know what I mean? Just, oh, of course. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. they go, hey, aren't you the guy from Orange is New Black? I, yeah, yeah, but I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that was great because I could just... By the time we were shooting it, I, I was... There was zero trying. Do you know what I mean? I was just... I really would become come in that space of just trying to survive and do minute by minute just make minute by minute decisions mm-hmm. he doesn't make what's going to happen in two weeks you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's kind of like they said like uh, donald trump likes to win the day of media do you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah so I, I just like to win the day of just surviving that's it
0: there you go, man. There you go. I mean, you're talking about kind of isolating yourself. I mean, little do we know that's kind of you know, that's kind of the thing to do nowadays. Oh, I was uh, ready for
1: this, man. Yeah, Cause I apparently were. It for six months. Yeah. Who yeah. knew,
0: man? Who knew? I mean, we're literally going through the pandemic right now that, that very much ties into the story of the stand of the stance So, how relevant relevant do you actually think this story is going to be to our current situation, maybe?
1: Well, you know, when you see like people fighting each other, do you know what I mean? Like right now. That really resonates because that's what happened. People said, I'm on this team. I'm on this team. And, you know, it seems like that's kind of what we're doing now. I think that's a lesson that that doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I think you got that right. I think you definitely got that right. (laughs) I mean, on on the flip side of that, though, I mean, you mean you've to say you've got an all star cast. For the yeah. stand, I mean that's I mean it's that's an understatement, man. So who was kind of your favorite person to do scenes with? Not trying to get you in trouble or anything, but you did you have a favorite person to like do scenes with? Well,
1: most of my scenes were were with Henry Henry Zaga. I loved working with him. I loved working with him. He's just a really he's a great actor, but he's he's a sweet I say kid, but he's a sweet guy, and he just like we worked so well together. This one time when in the scene where we were going to meet Whoopi in between takes you can't really see it i, I saw it, but in between takes i was they came by does anyone want any chocolate and i was like yeah and i was eating this chocolate nice. I was eating it. and uh, henry's like you have to do that in the scene you know what i mean and so i don't know if you can tell but when i'm walking in that scene i'm eating this chocolate but it, it was just fun you know it was just fun and creative like that you know yeah, he was just a great guy to work with
0: awesome awesome now things are pretty du- i mean that seems like a pretty nice way to kind of unwind when you guys aren't shooting, did you guys kind of do anything else? I mean, cause it's pretty dark, pretty serious. The show is. So did you guys do anything else? Like when cameras weren't rolling to kind of lighten things up a bit,
1: they would sing a lot of songs and hang out in this tent, but I would just sit by myself, not because I didn't love them. I liked them all a lot. I just wanted to like, this was like my, this was my art piece. You know and so i just wanted to stay in that space and i mean it's not like i didn't talk to anyone but i would just sure, now i know what you mean yeah yeah i just like to sit over there you know and i listen to him saying yeah yeah yeah. but i just like to save it too because also too i feel like if you're just like hey how you doing how you doing and then you're tom even in the scene you know what i mean i just kind of it's not like i was talking like tom when i was out there but i just carrying myself with that energy
0: no, absolutely. So, I mean, just based on the trailers learn for anyone who might be coming into the series fresh. I mean, the Boulder Free Zone seems like a very interesting place. So how would you describe it?
1: I would just say, as my character, I just call it home. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it just felt like home. And it was a place where people were trying to get along. But my character just simply looked like it as a safe landing spot. You know, if you were, I was just watching that uh, documentary, My Octopus. Did you ever see that? Anyway, this guy under the sea becomes friends with this octopus, and so it just—I just just kind of felt like that's how I was. I was trying to survive, and then I could just take a deep breath there.
0: That makes sense. That makes I got to check that out, man. Guy befriends an octopus. That's that's on the
1: list. You got to watch it. It's it's incredible.
0: That that is that uh, sounds incredible. So now we know that there's kind of a battle between good and evil going on here in the stand. And I mean, the Dark Man—that that's an intimidating name. Never mind, intimidating figure. So. What would you say kind of makes him the most dangerous Of course? Try not spoiling anything.
1: His power to make other people do his dark deeds and his, his power to influence other people to follow him and make them feel like that's the way to go. Again, it could be happening right now. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's, that was his main power is, is people believed in him.
0: So now fans of the book know that Tom was quite a decorator. Do you think you know, given the way this year has gone, do you think Tom would already put be putting his Christmas decorations up or what?
1: You know, I think Tom would wait till the day after Thanksgiving, but of course he would put it up. Yeah. In fact, when I was in Vancouver shooting this, I got there. I was in. You know, I was there a little bit in October, but from November when I when I got my place. I got a Christmas tree because it was just rainy. It felt like Christmas there. And I left nice. it up. Uh, I, I left it. it up till I left in March. So I was a lot like Tom. I was doing my, my porch and lights and it, I, I was being him.
0: I love that, man. I love that. So now, Brad, before I let you go, I mean, is there a particular episode in the series that you're really looking forward to fans seeing? Or did you have a favorite episode that involves Tom? It's like, oh, when people see this, they're going to freak out.
1: Yeah, I just think they're going to freak out about what I'm able to accomplish. I'm just gonna I can't really say. Do you know what I mean? But I just well, think well that, I
0: know what you mean because I know the story, yeah. but you know, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think know.
1: that they're gonna they're gonna be surprised of what I can do and, and what I can survive and what I can go through because of loyalty to the few people that were, have been nice to me in my life. You know, I think that's what motivates Tom is these people talk to him like a person and try to understand him and have conversations with them. And I think that's why I'm so loyal to them.
0: How hard is it for you to not just burst out and want to talk about this to everybody you know because you just know how like how amazing it's going to be? Because for me, I'd be I'd be sitting there like, oh, I got, oh. I so want to tell you about the thing, but I can't tell you about the thing.
1: You know, I'm excited for it to come out because, like I said, I feel like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll, also too, I would think, man, my character's so, so great. Like, this is the best character I've ever, ever yep, yep. Know, played. And then I do a scene with, oh, my God, their character is amazing, too. Oh, shit, their character is amazing, too. You know what I mean? That was exciting because it felt like, whoa, well, there's a really high bar, and we're all going up here. So I think the show is going to be awesome. Um, we're all going to find but, out together,
0: man. The stand's going to yeah. come out on CBS All Access Thursday, December the 17th, then every week after that. So you get to you know, let it breathe a little bit, right? You know, it's it's going to be really good. I like the weekly release schedule they got Did going on like this one. Do you like I, well, that? I do. Well, for this particular show, I definitely do. Because I think that's going to, you're going to need to let it breathe for a week. There's going to be times where you're going to see an episode and you're like, okay, all right. I got a week that's to prepare true. for Like I,
1: watched the, I almost watched the whole season of A Handmaid's Tale in like one day and all night. And I feel like I went into a depression. Yeah, you
0: went into a <laughs> funk. Exactly. It happens to me with shows too. It's like, oh my God.
1: I need to watch yeah. like,
0: I don't know, cartoons or something now. Geez.
1: Yeah. And when <laughs> I got the first four episodes, I'm like, oh shit, this is intense. Yeah. I, I, I really think. You know, I, I, I like you're saying how hard it's. I try to not sell anything I'm in. Mean, you know what I mean? But like, it's really good. It's a really good show. I think people are going to love it. And I think that you know, I thought, well, will they like it with all that's going on? And I think, I think they will. I think they really will because it's like, this is what could happen if it went too far.
0: Absolutely, man. I and mean, we'll find, like I said, we'll find out together. December the seventeenth, right. the stand right. begins on CBS All Access. All right. Wait till you see what this guy does. Tom, it's Brad William Henke. Thank you so much for joining me, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: This week, the Down and Nerdy podcast is brought to you by the Faraway Collection, an Amazon original story. Basically, what we've got going on here is it's five retold fairy tales for adults, and it kind of takes that happily ever after thing in a really cool different direction. We've got five amazing authors talking about Nick Stone and Gil Foreman, just to name a couple. And it's not like the same old stories either. I mean, you've got... Different kind of takes on an evil queen. You've got Charmless Princes. And there's one in particular, the the crossed Lover story, that's got a very interesting modern and fantasy type angle to it. That's really, really interesting. And it's also available in both audio and ebook format. Plus, if you're already an Amazon Prime member, you can listen and read for free what's better than that right so you're going to want to download now at amazon.com slash faraway stories that's amazon.com slash faraway stories that's f-a-r-a-w-a-y stories and these are not your same old stories it's going to give you something wicked something charming something scary but most importantly something new so take yourself once again once upon a time with a faraway collection from amazon original stories once again, thanks to Brad William Hankey for joining me this week to talk about The Stand on CBS All Access. Up next, speaking of reading, find out what we're reading next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is artist Nicholas Scott, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Whether you've got the tablet or the laptop or the old school bags and boards, whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading. And I saw this black cat... Number one book from Marvel this week, and I wanted to jump into it. It's actually written by Jed McKay. C.F. Villa on the art, Brian Reber on the colors. Farron Delgado on the letters. Great cover, too, by Pepe Larez and Marte Garcia. Now, I will say that this isn't your typical number one issue for a standalone series. It ties directly in to King and Black. Now, this issue does give you kind of bullet points on what happened in King and Black number one for the main story, but it's kind of best to just read King and Black number one before this one. Anyway, I already reviewed it. it's I already recommended it anyway. I think you should read it. It'll definitely help you appreciate this issue a little bit more. Required reading? Not really, but you should still read it anyway. Now, Felicia Hardy, of course, we know as Black Cat, is kind of planning a heist job. A little bit of spoilers in here too, by the way, not just for King and Black number one, but for this issue as well, since it's been out a few days. So she's planning a heist job and the invasion literally drops on top of her. I mean, literally. So she kind of joins the fight in an interesting way because she wants to figure out, you know, what the hell's going on and why this screwed up the job that she was planning. But so she ends up kind of right there in the fight and right she's there right when the Avengers fall to null. I put fall in air quotes, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Now, the thing is is that she actually escapes this. she She's not captured. She actually gets away and ends up finding someone who knows how to combat the symbiotes better than anybody else, or at least in her opinion anyway. And once you see the choice, you kind of understand, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe this is a person that we need to reach out to and, and should help. Now, she actually has an idea for another heist, and it's based on something that happens in King and Black number one, and it might actually end up just saving the day. And I say heist, this is not your traditional heist. Who she wants to steal from, what she wants to steal, is not just some regular everyday thing, okay? So that's the cool part of the story that I will not spoil for you. This actually puts Black Cat in a big role in King and Black. And that is not something I expected. I love it, actually. This is a character, this is one of those out-of-left-field kind of things that you go I did not expect this character to have a role like this in this story and she does and I think that that's amazing I mean even with a different artist too the presentation's still very good for the main story and there's there's actually a partial retelling of King and Black number one in this because you can't really tie this in without doing that and the art team does a great job at recreating those events from Hardy's perspective and that's one thing that I, that's one thing a good that's the marking of a good tie in to me give me if you're gonna tie this in, give me the events from this character's perspective and not just show me what happened okay and they absolutely one hundred percent do that and I thought that it was a very smart move by the team in this issue. The book has an attitude to it and I really really like that it kind of breaks from the tension of the serious events that happen. In King and Black number one. Acknowledges the significance, but doesn't dwell on it and actually takes a different spin on where the story can go from here. So, tie in or not, this is a really interesting side story, one that I'm very happy to say you should definitely add to your collection, Black Hat number one from Marvel Comics. I actually wanted to jump into another event series, this time from DC, and this one's been kind of flying under the radar. And I'm gonna jump in the middle of it for you. It's Aquaman number sixty-six from DC Comics, Andy Lanning, and Ron Mars writing this one here. Ron Mars has actually been a big part of this Endless Winter storyline and a a bunch of the different parts. Miguel Mendonca on the art, Ivan Placencia on the colors, Clint Cowles on the letters, and another good cover here from Mike McCone and Peter Steigerwald. Now, again, spoilers here because this book's been out for uh, a few days now, and again, you don't necessarily have to read the previous parts of Endless Winter to find out what's going on here because again they do a little bit of a summation. Plus, this is again from Arthur's perspective, because Arthur and Mira are supposed to be on their honeymoon and they're interrupted by the invasion of the Frost King who is who's brought Endless Winter to Atlantis pretty much. And it also actually marks the return of Arthur and Mira to Atlantis. Now, they weren't exactly met with the warmest of welcome from everyone, but it's clear how important Atlantis still is to the couple. They also have their daughter Andy in tow, and Andy is just the cutest kid. I'll say that right now. That that is brought out so much in this issue. And and you see the mischief of everyday life of kids is actually involved in this issue. Not a ton, just enough to make parents like myself go, Yeah, that's what would actually happen in the situation and, and don't gloss over that. So I love that there's a little bit of that re- parental realism in this issue. If you're not a parent, maybe you can't appreciate it, but I did. So thanks to the team for throwing that in there. Now, here's the other thing. Arthur's already got a plan when he's on his, when they're on their way to Atlantis, but it involves a really dangerous mission, Which and I don't really want to spoil too much about this. Now, this is proof positive though that knowledge of history could actually save your life someday. So if you ever think to yourself, when am I ever going to use this? You never know when. And Arthur Curry's knowledge of Atlantean history and certain little idiosyncrasies might actually save the entire world in this instance, not just Atlantis. So they take a trip to the depths near the core of the earth to recruit some help against the Endless Winter and the Frost King. Now, what what Arthur's idea is, is actually kind of, I mean, it's on the nose, but it's brilliant at the same time. It's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Once you see who they're trying to recruit and what they can do, it makes more sense than anything you could really try against somebody like this. So you won't be lost, like I said, if you're not caught up on Endless Winter, but I mean, if you want more backstory on the Frost King and, and what's going on, there's actually a good bit of that in Justice League number 58, which is part five of Endless Winter, which, again, I recommend reading anyway. But if you want more backstory on the character of the Frost King, you're going to get more of it in that than you will in this particular issue. You get enough, but you don't get as much as you probably should. Beyond this larger story, though, is the depth of Arthur and Mir's relationship. There's some really great character moments here that, again, might get lost in the larger story. And a personal touch that I kind of feel like has been missing from recent Aquaman runs until recently. We're getting more of that a little bit now. But, the you know, like the heart and soul of the book just wasn't there for so many issues for me, and that's why I kind of dropped off of Aquaman for a while. But this is one of those issues that's going to make you want to jump back in and start reading Aquaman again, if this is the direction and the tenor that they're going to take. Plus, there's some really eye-popping art with some really cool creatures that are in this book, and that that's just one of those things that you can do in an Aquaman book that maybe you can't do in other books not just sea creatures either trust me there's some really good stuff going on so a couple of good tie-ins to some major arcs this week you're going to want to add black cat number one from marvel and aquaman number 66 from dc comics that's going to do it for what we're reading up next who says there's no nerd news during the holidays we'll jump into a bunch of it next i'm james Witham, and this is the down and nerdy podcast Hey, this is Kari Walgren, the voice of Haruko in FLCO, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. you're a gamer, it looks like you might have a little bit more money for your holiday shopping. It's time for nerd news, and I wish that there was a nicer way to put this, but there really isn't, in that Cyberpunk 2077 launch has been a disaster and an almost unprecedented move, as a matter of fact. The game has been pulled. From the PlayStation Network store, and players have been offered a full refund that have already purchased the game. Now, of course, the game was developed and and made by CD Projekt. Now, here's the thing. Here's the statement that was on the Ask PlayStation Twitter account. It says, SIE strives to ensure a high level of customer satisfaction, and we will begin to offer a full refund for all gamers who have purchased Cyber 20." Cyberpunk 2077 via PlayStation Store and want a refund. I'm just going to stop there because then the other thing just says about the link. So, before we go ahead and give Sony a pat on the back here for this, while they're certainly not the ones to blame for a buggy game that was put out by CD Projekt and something that was clearly rushed out for holiday profit, no matter what anybody says... Sony has to take a little bit of blame here. And I know that this this game is available for multiple consoles. But at the same time, you could have done this proactively. If you really want to be honest about it. Like You have to know to a certain degree how buggy this game is. Or how not ready it was before you even put it up for sale in the first place. I, I, I just fail to believe that they didn't have at least some idea what was going on with Cyberpunk 2077 before they put it in here. They do not deserve the lion's share of the blame. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is that if you really, quote, strive to ensure a high level of customer satisfaction, maybe you should have looked into this before you actually put the game on sale in the first place because you had to know that something was not right here. I have multiple delays, you'd think they would have been able to get it right by now, but clearly they didn't. And one of the reasons, actually, that you don't hear me talk about video games a lot on the show anymore is because of stuff like this stuff like this happens way too much not necessarily to this level mind you but stuff like this just happens way too much and and you could go down a list I mean Fallout 76 you've got Anthem you've got the disaster that was No Man's Sky there you could say that Marvel's Avengers game to a certain degree was rushed out or just didn't look good in general it's just to me something's happened to the video game industry and this is not a new problem necessarily but it seems like it's getting worse and i know that there are i'm not saying that this happens to all games there are plenty of games that come out when they're supposed to come out or they delay them to make sure they get rid of as many bugs as possible and i'm not even saying that that you have to launch your game with no bugs that would be nice But that's not always going to happen. Stuff like this, you know, bugs are going to be found and sometimes they're either little things or stuff that's like deeply embedded in, and you're just not going to know until the game starts getting played at a certain point. I I, I can give a pass on a mostly functional game. But to me, it's almost like a 50-50 thing. It's like half the games come out way too soon or with way too many bugs. There's too much carelessness right now in the video game industry. I don't care what anybody says. So... And uh, you've got to get stuff like this right. And if you've gotten to the point where a major g- game seller like Sony is going to pull something from their store, that's a big deal. Okay, that, that is a huge, huge red flag. And people have waited forever for this new Cyberpunk game. It was announced at E3, what, like, seems like almost seven years ago or something like that. And here we are, and this is what you give? The people that have waited this long for this is the, one of the biggest slaps in the face of any video game launch ever. And pretty much everybody involved in this, quite frankly, should be ashamed of themselves. And again, I wish this was a new problem. I wish that this was something that rarely ever happened, but it seems like we get at least a handful of these a year. And to me, I'm sorry. I know that a ton of games come out every year, a handful of situations similar to this one. Or even somewhat similar, is too much. And the money that gets invested by players, by consumers, in the video game industry to play these games is already ridiculous enough. And this is what you give us. Unacceptable. Completely, 100% unacceptable. And this whole industry needs to take a look at itself and get it right. I don't care how long it takes you to make your game Make sure you get it right. And if you're going to make us wait this long, you better get it right sooner rather than later. Utterly ridiculous that this even had to happen in the first place. Unacceptable. So here's something on a little bit of a, well, actually a much better note. Quite frankly, we have more casting news for DC's Black Adam movie, and it's going to be Quintessa Swindell who's going to be playing Cyclone. Now, if you're not familiar with Cyclone, this according to The Hollywood Reporter, by the way, Cyclone's going to be one of the JSA members in the movie, joining Hawkman, Atom Smasher, and Dr. Fate. And Cyclone is actually the daughter of the original Red Tornado. And if you've listened to this show enough, for long enough anyway... You know I'm a Red Tornado fan. I love the character. I was even the one apologizing for the Red Tornado that they presented in the Supergirl TV series, okay? That's how badly I wanted to see this character in any medium on television or movies at all. So I was already excited for Cyclone to be in this movie in the first place. And you know that, you know, Cyclone has the wind powers, has the sound powers as well. Dwayne The Rock Johnson tweeted his approval the casting as well, and as far as Quintessa Swindell, I think they're going to do a great job in this role. I mean, it just seems like it just seems like a really good fit in this role, and I think this cast is actually really, really starting to come together well. And in that tweet of praise, by the way, Dwayne Rock Johnson actually revealed there is a spring 2021 production date, production start date, I should say, for DC's Black Adam. So. That Now we know the wheels are really starting to turn now, and hopefully this thing will get off the ground sooner rather than later. Hopefully no delays here as well, because I think that this movie is going to be a, a, a really big surprise. And and I think that with the, with the cast that they have here and the, and the way that they're presenting this thing, got going to be some major stuff happening in this Black Adam movie. I want to stick with DC for a minute, because DC's actually made quite a few pretty major comic book related announcements in the last week and a half and I wanted to kind of highlight some of them really quickly because I want to get through as many as I can and you know that they've got DC Future State coming out starting in January and one of the things that we were wondering about is the next Batman and written by John Ridley and we were told that Batman would be a person of color and now we know who that person of color is and the character is going to be tim fox now i know that you know there was a lot of speculation who the character might be luke fox seemed like you know the popular choice we knew it was probably going to be somebody from the fox family and then anybody that's not you know deep into the lore here says well tim fox who is that and the character actually dates back to 1979 that's how long this character's been around now more recently referenced i think it was batman 101 uh which was which was not too long ago is of the character's kind of been reintroduced. But if, if you know anything about Tim Fox, this is one of the Fox children, of course, of Lucius Fox. But this is... The, he doesn't get along with Dad. Like, they, they clash a lot. They butt heads a lot. He's certainly more strong-willed. The more strong-willed of the Fox children. So if anybody was going to step outside of the family and take on the mantle of Batman all these years later you could see how it could be tim fox instead of luke fox like like for me when i went back and after the announcement and i really gave it some thought i was like you know what yeah that's probably right yeah that probably makes more sense and after everything that the fox family's been through it would also make sense that somebody would want to eventually step up and take on the mantle now now again we don't know a ton about what's going to be coming up in the next batman and in and, and how exactly this all comes to pass with 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 tim with tim fox becoming the new dark knight so that that but that is one of the reasons that you want to read the book right you want to figure out how this all comes about and how long this will last and if this is something that we'll see again at some point again these are all things that remain to be seen but you know what money talks and if this book sells i wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more of tim fox As Batman, at least in some sort of alternate story or future timeline story, because we are talking about, again, future state here. So again, this might not be the last we see of this character, but it all depends on the dollars and cents of this issue. But it seems like DC really wants to get some fresher perspectives in 2021. And I say that because they've announced a lot of new creative teams this week, and I don't want to dive too much into all of them, But I want to highlight a few, like Philip Kennedy Johnson going to be taking on a Superman story, not just in Superman, but in action comics as well, and taking on a bigger role in writing Superman. And I think that you know how much I love Philip Kennedy Johnson's work as a writer. I think he's pretty much everything he's done. I've really enjoyed So I'm super excited to see his take on Superman, especially since, you know, Philip Kennedy Johnson, a big time family man and i think that that is something that has to be at the center of any superman book especially with you know with with him him having a family and and with john taking over as superman in future state and where this is going to go in the future i think that you couldn't have a character like superman in better hands right now and good for philip kennedy johnson so happy to see him getting recognized finally in in, in superhero comics especially with with somebody like dc and finally getting the recognition he deserves. Can't wait to see what he does with this character. And another name that's kind of burst onto the scene in the last 6 months is Stephanie Phillips, who we know is going to be writing Harley Quinn next year, but guess what? Now going to be taking on a Wonder Woman digital series as well starting in January. Sensational Wonder Woman is also going to feature Megan Hendrick, or excuse me, Hetrick, uh, on art and Marissa Louise on color, so a female creative team there as well. Going to be taking Wonder Woman, going to be taking on Dr. Psycho in this story. So you've got Stephanie Phillips now writing Harley Quinn and a Wonder Woman story. And and again, the, 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 Stephanie's got a great sense for storytelling and, and she always gives us a little bit of an edge to all of her stories too. And there's just always so much intrigue involved in this. And I'm super excited. To see what Stephanie's going to bring to the table, for both of these characters, and I'm not sure which one she's going to end up writing better, Harley Quinn, or Wonder Woman. I'm I'm looking forward to them both, but I got to say I'm on the fence here. I'm not sure. I'm I feel I feel like she's got a good attitude for both, and they're two very different characters. So the angles that she takes on this, I can't wait to see where that's going to go. I think that's going to be really really neat. And then I said this in the article that I put it down in NerdyPodcast.com that. It seems to me like DC's, with every passing year, they take Nightwing a little bit more seriously and give him a little bit larger role in the main line of comics. And we've got a new creative team coming to Nightwing as well starting in March, and boy, is it a big one. Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo are going to be the creative team on Nightwing, starting with issue number 78. Now, Tom Taylor has killed... Dick Grayson twice, to be fair. So I mean, yeah, yeah, it was injustice and decease. And it, but he's actually said in the quote, he's like, "Hey, I'm a huge Nightwing fan." Okay, well, let's try to keep him alive this time, Tom, huh? Let Let's see how that's gonna go. And apparently, there's gonna be a new mayor of Bloodhaven, and things are gonna be going on there. And there's also maybe a, a, a puppy that's gonna be involved involved in this, some sort of dog, and maybe Batgirl are gonna be part of this story as well. But the main point here I'm getting at is in all of these announcement announcements is that DC they've, they've got a lot of amazing writers. Okay. I'm not saying that I haven't enjoyed a lot of the stuff that, and, and I, Hey, I love a long run like, like Joshua Williamson on the flash for as long as Joshua Williamson has written that character. I have loved that Tom King's run on Batman for as long as it was. I love that. I love it when creative teams stick with these characters, but at the same time, it comes to a point where you go, okay, let's get some fresh voices, and not just recycled voices either. Let's not just take one person off one major book and put them on another. It doesn't mean that they're not good writers. It's just that sometimes you've got to give some fresh new talent a chance and see how they do, right? So you have to see... How Philip Kennedy Johnson's going to take on a character like Superman, a hugely important character. Stephanie Phillips, how is she going to do on a Wonder Woman book on Harley Quinn? Now, Tom Taylor obviously does not need to prove himself at all. And I'm not saying that the other two do either. But they are certainly on the less experienced end of the spectrum as far as major releases like this are concerned. And I think they're going to do a fantastic job. If anything, it's, it, I'm surprised it's taken this long for somebody like DC to realize that, hey, there's some talent here that we should be using on these major characters. I just think this is going to be a huge win for DC in 2021 and a great shot in the arm to the publishing line that they, they kind of needed a little bit of freshening up for sure. So I'm really looking forward to what they're going to be bringing to the table. Finally, I want to throw this out there, too, as well. Shadow and Bone, a new series, going to be coming to Netflix. And if you're a fan of Leigh Bardugo and the Grishaverse, guess what? Yeah, Shadow and Bone is the series that's going to be coming. They did put out a teaser. Doesn't really show you much, quite frankly, but it does show you how visually striking this series is has a chance to be and it's basically if you're not familiar with it it's a war torn world where the lowly soldiers and orphans lowly soldier and orphan Alina Starkov has just unleashed an extraordinary power that could be the key to setting her country free there's all these monstrous threats too you've got you've got the shadow fold that that's a part of this there's just it's a very it's a it's a fantasy type element of this story there's all kinds of magical soldiers and things like that so yeah we're, we're going down that particular road again uh, of of sci-fi fantasy and something that's uh, quite frankly netflix has done very well they've picked and choose their projects and they've done a great job with it and so and then you've got eric heiser who's an academy award winner by the way for adapting things and he's going to be the showrunner and writer that's going to adapt this series for netflix and they they've announced a, a fair uh, the cast that they've announced a lot of fairly new names that you might not recognize you want the full list go to down in nerdypodcast.com there's a ton of them i don't really want to single out anybody in particular so you can go ahead and read the read the cast members down there so this will be coming out in april of 2021 if you know once a trailer comes out We'll be talking about a little bit more, but I got to tell you, this is a show. This is one of those shows that's right up my alley. If you you give me a show that's similar to this, and I'm going to check it out. Quite frankly, so I'm really looking forward to see where this thing is going to go. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to Brad William Henke for joining me this week to talk about The Stand, which you can watch right now on CBS All Access. You'll see him in episode three, by the way, debuting. As Tom Cullen. You can also check out our sponsor this week, the Far Away Collection from Amazon Original Stories. You want to go to Amazon.com slash Faraway Stories. And if you're a Prime member, you can read or listen absolutely free. So you're definitely gonna to want to check out these amazing stories. That they have available for you. You want more about us? You can always do that at down and nerdypodcast.com. Also find us on social media at Down and Nerdy757 on Twitter and Instagram, and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly. Be good to your fellow nerds, and hopefully you had a happy Hanukkah.